0: All right. Well, as some of you know, we just returned from our great adventure in the UK and Europe. And um, we were involved with a festival, Creation Fest. It's a Bible week and a music festival. And then from that, we went and we um, spent a week in Austria And it was there that we had a refresh conference and we encouraged uh, pastors and leaders and their families from all around Europe. So what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to, uh, rather than jump back into our normal teaching, I wanted to kind of just give you guys a little bit of an overview of what happened over the past few weeks. Um, I think some of you were probably here last Sunday, so you saw the the video message that I gave in the, the UK a couple weeks ago. I just wanted to kind of fill in some of the blanks on that. So we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to look at a video in just a second. Um, just it's kind of a, um, just a highlight sort of a video from the festival. And then uh, I'll share a little bit and then we'll look at a few photos from the, the refresh conference. So with the with the festival in the UK, we had. um Probably our our largest attendance. We had 2,500 people camping on site. It's a week-long event, so some people come and literally pitch a tent and stay there for the whole week. So we had 2,500 campers, and we had uh, about 9,000 uh, day visitors. So we had, you know, well over 11,000 people in attendance throughout the week. And we spent that week just, you know, pouring into them God's Word and uh, just having having a great time in ministry. So so let let's watch this video it's just a couple of minutes and then I'll come back up and kind of give you some more of the detail, all right? So, that, so that's that's just a, a clip. Boy, there's stuff on there. It's like, wow, was that cowboy guy? I, I didn't even know we had a cowboy at the festival there, but apparently we did. So, so what I want to do this morning, though, is I want to, um, again, with reference to both of these things that we were just involved in, I want to talk about God's work in the world because, you know, God is working all over the world, and it's such... Um, you know, it's a wonderful thing to see what God is doing, to be able to experience it, and, and of course, to be part of it. And we are, as the people of God, we're the ones through whom He has uh, chosen to work in the world. So Jesus said in Mark 13:10, He said, uh, The gospel, this gospel, will be preached in all nations. And, and once again, that's the mission, if you will, of the church, to, to get the gospel to the nations, the gospel being the good news. Paul, the apostle, in writing to the church in Rome, he said an interesting thing. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. And the reason that's interesting is because much of the time when we think of preaching the gospel, we think of proclamation to people who don't yet know the gospel. And and that is certainly true. And that is part of it. But there's also another uh, thing that would come under that heading of preaching the gospel. And that's what Paul was talking about when he wrote to the Romans. That is where you would um, give to people who have received the gospel, you you would help them to understand the full implications of that. So when you think of uh, preaching, which is, you know, largely what we were engaged in, we're, we're, we're preaching the gospel. And so this, uh, in the first sense, it includes announcing to the world, which means all people, who Christ is, what he's done in his death and resurrection, and how it applies to each and every person. So that's, that's preaching the gospel. But then the second definition, if you will, is expounding the full implications of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ to his people, which is the church, so that each member of Christ's body can live fully for the glory of God. And that's what pretty much everything we do, that is what's driving us. That's what's going on behind the scenes. So with Creation Fest, I wanna talk about that first for a moment. We combine both of those things together. Uh, a lot of people, even in the UK, people uh, are sort of not not perplexed in a in a bad way, but they're they just don't quite know how to to um, describe what it is that we do. Because although there are many festivals in Britain, Christian festivals, and they're they're actually all of them quite good, uh, ours has a kind of a unique feature to it, in that we focus on preaching the gospel to unbelievers so this is a free festival now it's not really free we have to pay to put it on but through keeping it free what it does is it opens the door for anybody and everybody to make their way into it and to hear the gospel and, and we have heard over and over and over and over again stories about people who maybe they were passing by on the road they saw a free festival they were curious about it or maybe like one uh couple that we met this week, uh, the festival that they were attending, a uh, pagan festival, as a matter of fact, shut down. And so somebody told them, well, there's a free festival up the road. Why don't you check that one out? So, you know, instead of hanging out at the pagan festival all week, they got to come to the Jesus festival and get saved. And, um, you know, but because it was free, they just, you know, drove right up and walked right in and, and they got to hear the gospel. So what we're doing is twofold. We, we describe it as it's a Bible week. It's a week where we really focus in on teaching the Scripture, but it's also a music festival and an evangelistic opportunity. So uh, every morning, starting with Sunday morning all the way through Friday, Um, we spend going through God's word. So those of you that were here last week, you watched the video. That was me preaching Ephesians chapter one. And we were kicking off the week because throughout the week, we taught through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And, And so I started with that session. And then Monday through Friday, think about this. We had people that would sit literally for two and a half hours on the edge of their seat Just hanging on every word of scripture that was being taught because unlike our situation here, they just do not get Bible exposition for the most part in most of the churches that they go to. So people tell me this all the time, and I heard it again this week. This is their... Imagine if you had one one week of the year where you went to get yourself built up in your faith so you could then go on and live out the challenges of the Christian life throughout the year. That's what happens for people because they're having an experience with God's word that sadly they're not getting um, under you know most uh, circumstances. So... I taught, and maybe some of you will remember in the message that I gave last week, um, I taught on, because I'm teaching Ephesians chapter one, one of the things I talked about was positional righteousness versus practical righteousness. Not verses like they're against each other, but um, they're, they're two different things. And positional righteousness is what every person who believes in Jesus has. We are righteous positionally. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's like we're already in heaven. And you're as righteous as you'll ever get. And you can't do anything to improve on that. That is a, a revolutionary idea. That is a liberating idea. And that the the practical righteousness is what is being worked out in our lives throughout our lifetime, sanctification. But the positional righteousness is God's gift to us that we receive by faith in Christ. Now, I taught that. That's something that, um, I, you know, it's pretty common knowledge in my understanding of things, but I can't tell you how many people came to me throughout the week and said, uh, that message so impacted me. I never understood that. I'd never heard that before that really helped me to see, you know, they just went on to kind of explain how the Lord used that to minister to them. So that's the kind of impact God's word is having. And you know, you're having an impact when you have, uh, I'll tell you two quick stories, a 17 year old kid, I'm walking around the, You know, the showground there, and I'm sort of walking up a hill, and here's a kid skating on a skateboard coming down the hill. He's about 17. He looks like he just came straight from the beach. And he just skates by and he says, Hey, man, that was a great word this morning. And I thought, okay, wow, 17 year old, good. You know, we want to hit the 17 year olds. But then one even better had a four year old. (laughs) So I have a friend who uh, he's part of our festival. He does our apologetics wing for us. His name is Andy Bannister. And uh, he's got a four-year-old son. And he wasn't able to be in the Sunday service, but his wife Astrid was there and she had the, the little guy uh, with her. And, and she told me that uh, he sat riveted to my message. She said, he never, no, he doesn't do that. He plays, he's distracted. Of course, a four-year-old, you would think that they would be that. That's typical behavior for a four-year-old and it's perfectly normal and right. But he sat and he just listened to every word. And Andy told me that he came back to where they were staying, and he said, "Daddy, uh, the the preacher, he scratched a man's car, (laughs) and he talked about how bad he felt for doing something wrong." And some of you are laughing because you remember the story, right? Well, this really impacted this four year old. And he said, "Daddy, sometimes I do some I do things wrong too, and." And when I confess, though, you forgive me and God forgives me. And Andy said, it's like, I can't believe it. You know, uh, I, you know he's a preacher. He goes, he's never said anything about any of my sermons. But, you know, <laughs> he listens to yours and he's coming back telling me every word you said. So, hey, if you can minister to a four-year-old, I, I feel like I'm on the right track. I'm doing pretty good. So we have the, the teaching element. And like I said, then also we have the uh, t, uh, preaching element. And beside the, this thing I described Monday through Friday, you know, the couple of hour session back to back, we have just numerous seminars going on all throughout the, the week. And, and this, this was a very interesting dynamic at this one. And it's just interesting how God puts things together. Now, um, for the first time, as far as I know, there was a pride parade just uh, down the road from where the festival was. That was part of the big pagan festival that it all, it all actually got shut down because of the weather. Um, but, you know, this was going on and we had the BBC contacting us. They wanted to come and talk to us about sexuality and all this stuff. And I just said, you know, I mean, we usually work with the BBC and we have a good relationship with them. But I just thought, no, I don't want to talk about that because... I don't want them to pigeonhole us or to get people to think that that's what that's just what we're all about. You know, we're we're about the gospel, and of course that impacts your life sexually, but that's not our focus. So I told them, no, though, BBC couldn't come this year. Um, and what we had done is we had planned to have three speakers: uh, Christopher Yuan, some of you remember Christopher has been with us here; uh, a guy named David Bennett. And a lady named Patty Height. And they were all sharing on kind of, you know, same-sex life and experience and all all of this sort of thing. But the interesting thing, though, was to see how God kind of brought them at this specific time when this pride parade's going on, when the Methodist Church in the UK just unanimously voted to ordain same-sex people, you know, people who are living in same sex relationships to ordain them into the ministry and so forth. So this is, you know, like it often is, it's a hot topic in the culture and, and the Lord really used these guys to speak uh, powerfully from their own experiences of how Christ met them right where they were at and, you know, changed their lives. It was really, really a powerful experience. So there's that teaching component, but then there's the preaching element. So there's always, every single night, we had 70 bands come through this year, there's always music, testimony, gospel preach, people getting saved. And so one quick story about a salvation and then another quick story about a healing. So there was a, a, you know, we have to have security. It's a big event, you understand. So we have to hire a security team. So one of the security workers, a lady, she came And just through the course of being at her post and uh, having to listen to the preaching and everything, God really touched her. And she opened her heart and she received Jesus. And she told us the story about how she just felt this, like this love just pour over her. And she'd never felt this way before. And she felt so peaceful and she felt so safe And it was all through listening to someone preach the gospel from the platform and her standing at her post as a security guard and just saying, yeah, I, I, I want what that guy's talking about. And then of course the Lord used her to connect or used other people to connect with her and to get her, um, on track, you know, to, to move ahead with her relationship with the Lord. But, but not only many salvation stories, over 300 salvation stories, but also healings, and this has been an interesting thing because about the last three or four years, there have been miraculous things happening, and it's not because we have a miracle tent or we have, you know, like a, you know, some sort of a, a person up there performing miracles. It's just God sovereignly doing things in people's lives. So a lady comes to the festival. She has a back injury that's really incapacitated her, but she really wants to come, so she she calls ahead. And orders a little, um, you know, little electronic sort of a scooter thing that she can get around on at the festival. And so she gets to the festival. She comes to the camping office to pick up her uh, motorized scooter, and nobody's there to help her at this point. So she decides, well, she's going to shuffle on into the to the auditorium uh, and just kind of see what's happening while she waits for. The attendant to get back. So she goes in, she's standing in the midst of a crowd, there's a worship session going on. And as she's standing there worshiping, she said, all of a sudden, she was just perfectly fine. And she started dancing, she felt so good. And she ended up going back to the, um, the camping counter there, and telling them, um, I ordered that I don't need it anymore. God has touched me and healed me, so um, I'll have them pick it up later. And they said, oh, well, there's another person here who actually really needs one of these and was wondering where to get one. And she said, oh, just let them have that one. They can borrow it, and then they can pick it up later this week. And so that's what happened. So she was touched by the Lord. And there are many other kinds of uh, similar type of stories that we hear over and over again. But but what God is doing through this festival is he is uh, impacting people all over the nation. And he's doing a unity thing within the church that's so really interesting. You know, it, it's amazing how God will do things that you don't plan, but you recognize like, wow, this would be great if this happened, but you don't really plan it to happen, but God makes it happen. So one of the things with 2,500 campers, you know, churches... Churches will come, the pastor will come, invite a bunch of families from the church, and they'll all come and camp. And so they got a campsite here, and then right across from them, there's another church with a campsite. And they're washing their dishes together and they're cooking food, and then they're becoming friends. And all these churches are getting unified through camping together, and they're starting to love one another. They're starting to reach out and you know work together for the kingdom And it's just an amazing thing. One of the great joys for me is to talk to pastors who will tell us that through the uh, example that we've set over the years, you know, we we haven't really tried to force people to go in a certain direction, like, hey, you know, you need to do it this way. We've just modeled it. And now we have pastors coming back all the time saying, you know, uh, we taught through... And whatever book of the Bible they'll tell us, you know, we're teaching through books of the Bible now. Something that normally people don't do. It's not really common uh, in the UK for this kind of exposition, but many of these pastors are catching this vision, and they're doing this with their congregations. And so that's um, that's that's one of the things that is happening, or that's many of the things that are happening through that festival. And we took a team, maybe you remember, we prayed for a team up front here. We took, our total team ended up being over a hundred people because we actually had a team that went just to Creation Fest. and we had a team that went to Creation Fest and then on to the Refresh Conference. The, the second group are flying, they're in the air right now on their way home. And the first group came home a bit earlier, but a wonderful group of people there to help out. And I had a number of people who came on the trip, tell me, um, you, you didn't tell us it was like this. We didn't know, wait, this is, this is so amazing. This is so, da- we, we did, you know, why didn't you tell us? I said, well, I did try to tell you. I've tried to tell you for years, but, you know, it's one of those things, to some extent, you kind of have to see it and experience it. And so that was our time in the UK. But from there, we went to Austria And we held what we are calling the Refresh Conference. So we're doing Refresh Conferences in different parts of the world. And the objective of the Refresh Conference is to strengthen those who are leading God's people through pastoring and teaching so that they can better equip the saints. So we want to go in and encourage the people of God. Now, uh, back in 1989, uh, Jonathan mentioned 30 years for harvest. And I didn't think about this till the other day, but, so this thirty year thing, it's all kind of coming together because we launched into ministry in Europe thirty years ago as well. So I'm going to show you some uh, slides real quick of the castle and just a little bit of the activity there. But this is a facility. This is a property that that God uh, brought to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And we purchased this, and in 1989, uh, our ministry into Europe began at this place. So I'll step off and just check these photos out. anyone took that picture of me, but there it is. Um, but as you can see, the place is unbelievably beautiful and, and that's, you know, part of the, um, just the joy of it is to, to go into this amazingly gorgeous place, but also, um, just the wonderful work that God did. So we had about 350 at the conference this year. And these are people that come from, uh, all around Europe. So they're either missionary pastors or national pastors. And most of the missionary pastors these days are actually now citizens of the various uh, nations that they went into maybe 15, 20, 30 years ago uh, to do ministry. But uh, we had representation from Austria, Germany, France, Holland, Italy, Spain, Hungary, Romania, Slovakia, Serbia, Kosovo, Ireland, Scotland, England, and more. Those are the ones that I could just remember off the top of my head. But, um, you know, people, pastors, leaders, family coming for this time of refreshing. You know, there's that great passage that says, um, it it talks about uh, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And that's what we want to bring to them. So myself and uh, my friends, uh, Pastor Ray Bentley and Pastor Jim Gallagher from Florida uh, Pastor John Spencer from Florida uh, Dominic, Pastor Dominic Doane from Portland, uh, we all spent the week uh, you know just encouraging taking, taking people through the word, but we had great times of worship and One of the things that the lord 's been directing us in, and we did this this week, it was so powerful we offered for the people a uh, a time of prayer that we called a, a a prophetic prayer time, and what that meant was You know, in um, 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul describes prophecy as this. Those who prophesy speak edification, they speak encouragement, they speak comfort to people. And so what we did is we set up these prayer times where you had to actually sign up uh, to be prayed for. And we took a two and a half hour period of time. And over three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we prayed, and we prayed for almost everybody that was there, that you know wanted to be prayed for. But it's a time where you just say, you know, don't tell us a word. We're going to pray over you, and just we're going to trust the Lord to lead and to, to speak. So the prophetic part is you're trusting God's going to give you words to say and encouragement to impart that that's going to really be directly from him about their situations. So this one guy tells me this. It was kind of a funny story. He said, you know, I heard about this. And he said, and and I'm okay with prophecy. And he said, you know, but I always whenever i've experienced prophecy it's been the spontaneous thing so he said when i heard that it's going to be a schedule and you got to sign up i thought oh yeah right god's going to just show up at the scheduled time right and you know so we're gonna force god into this uh so he, he you know he was a bit apprehensive he didn't really want to do it but i think his wife finally said come on we need to get that prayer so he told me that he sat down and one of the people who was praying over him just began to speak and said, I, I see a wheelbarrow and I see the like, like a lot of frantic activity. And he said, he just about fell out of his chair because that last week, that was his life. He's just rolling a wheelbarrow back and forth in his garden, doing all this laborious stuff. And it was kind of just a picture of how he was feeling, um, like he's laboring to the point of exhaustion, but nothing's happening. But anyway, God just took that word and really spoke so powerfully into his life. And so we had that uh, aspect of things happening. And we just had so many great moments where you just sense God is really speaking to everyone. I gave a message on resting And um, it's funny the way things work out sometimes because I was scheduled to teach and I didn't really have a a particular message. I just, you know, kind of thinking through and praying through some things. And Cheryl's like, you know, you need to speak on rest. And she gives me all these points. And I said, well, that's great. You know, why don't you speak on it since you're the one who knows what should be said. And I'm sitting here kind of clueless. And then, you know, she left the room and I was sitting there and that, that came back. And I thought, you know, she had something there. So anyway, I ended up speaking on that and just the rest that we have in Christ. And it was amazing how many people said, you know, that was the word I needed to hear. I came here to, to just be told that I can rest and God's okay. And he wants me to rest actually. So anyway, those, those were just some of the highlights. But one, one thing I want to tell you that I didn't even know, I found this out. So I've been involved in 1989- August of 1989, Cheryl and I, with Pastor Chuck and Kay, and with our two older children and our baby daughter, who was three months old at the time, Kelsey, who's 30 now, um, we went to the castle. And I met a young couple there, and they were from what was then Yugoslavia, from a little village named Baisha. And they asked me, would you come here and see if God might want to do something. So that, that was August of 89 in May of 1990 I went, I took a team and that was the first church plant into Eastern Europe which now has resulted in over 200 churches being planted over the past 30 years. But here's what I didn't know. So we so we start it kind of dawned on all of us there like, "Oh wow, this is the 30th year." We were talking about that, and then as as you know, we mentioned with uh, Harvest, you know, the thirtieth year. It's like, man, God in nineteen eighty nine, you know, the Lord just was. There was something happening that year that has resulted in so much fruit. But one thing that happened that I was unaware of until this past week, and I think I pretty much know everything about what's happened over there. Well, John Chubik, who's our missions pastor, he told this story, and it shocked me because I didn't know about it. He said in, in April of 1989, so when the church purchased that, that facility, it was kind of dilapidated. So Pastor Chuck would send over these construction teams, just these groups of guys who wanted to go over and help uh, you know, bring it up to date and uh, all of that. Uh, so they, they would go over plumbers and carpenters and electricians and all that. And they would just spend a few weeks working over there. So John Chubick was there. He was part of the construction crew. He was a carpenter. And a guy named Rod Thompson. You guys, some of you know Rod because he's spoken for us before here. Uh, Rod was a plumber and then there were some others. So there were about 40 guys there. And one night, late at night, there was a knock on the door and they opened the door and there's just this guy standing there. And this guy's from Denmark. And he tells this story. He's he's a, He's an evangelist. Now this is back before the Iron Curtain ever fell. And so he had taken a team from Denmark. They'd gone down into the Iron Curtain countries and they would go into campgrounds and they would set up like they were just on vacation and then they would do gospel ministry. And thousands of people came, began to come out to hear the gospel. And the authorities got word of it. And finally, they warned him, don't ever do that again or we'll throw you in jail. They did it again. So they arrested his whole team and family, threw them all in jail, and they they put him on a train out of the country. So he's in um, Bulgaria. That's where all this happens. He's on a train. The train takes him up to Spital. Spital is the city that's nearest to Milstadt, where you just saw the, the pictures of Milstadt. So he gets off the train. This is 1989. And he steps out into the town in Spital and he says to the people, the local people, he says, where are the Christians? Where are the Christians? And the people are like, what do you mean, where are the Christians? You know, we're all all Christians. Everybody's a Christian. This is a Catholic country. He says, no, no, we're like the real Christians. (laughs) And, And they said, oh, well, there's these crazy people that are at this castle over in Milstadt. Maybe that's who you're looking for. So anyway, the guy goes, he knocks on the door. John Chubik answers the door and the guy comes in and he tells the whole story about his family. He tells him everything that's been going on. And and then he says this, he says, God has shown me that the the wall is going to fall and the Soviet Union is gonna collapse and, and all of this is gonna be freed up and he, he looked around the room and he said, and God is gonna send some of you in with the gospel. This opportunity is gonna come. And he's looking at a bunch of construction workers, basically, and he says, God's gonna send some of you to take the gospel to these nations. That's exactly what happened. And I never heard that story. And so he, t- he said that to them. He got up the next morning and left and nobody ever seen or heard from him again after that but God gave this prophetic word that he would use some from that group. And of course, for the past 30 years, God has used that facility in such an amazing way. Now, when you look at that castle, that castle was built in like 1905 by a Jewish publisher from Vienna. He built that for his family in, in the, in the, um, the time of the second world war that was taken over by the Nazis. And we have photographs of the castle with swastikas, uh, big swastika banners there on the castle. And the villa in the back is where, that's where a lot of our guests stay. The villa was built by the Nazis. They built it as a, like a barracks for their, for their soldiers uh, during the time. But something that was used for such wickedness, God has redeemed that place And for the past 30 years, he's been using it in extraordinary ways to to bless and minister to people. And so that's that's a couple of things that God is doing in the world, and he's doing it through our ministry here. But remember, um, and this is kind of, you know, Jesus talked about the spirit is going to come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses. And he said in Jerusalem, that's where they would start. And then Judea, that's the surrounding area. Then Samaria, a little further out, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth. And so I'm telling you a little bit about the ends of the earth stuff here, but thank God we have the Jerusalem ministry as well. And that's what Harvest Crusade is. Harvest is that um, ministry that, uh, you know, is evangelism because it's, it's great to reach all of these other places. And we're committed to it and we love it. But we have to continue to see the gospel sown into our own culture and into our own society. And that's what's happening this coming weekend over at the stadium. And thank God for Harvest. Thank God for Greg and the faithfulness all these years to just continue to preach the gospel. And how many tens of thousands of people are there, probably just even in Orange County, that have come to Christ through the invitations that have been given at the crusade. So it's like, a, you know, as, as we think about God's work in the world and as we think about the gospel going to all the nations and we think about our part in it. So we all have a part. And, you know, we're on a trajectory toward the, you know, the return of Jesus someday. And we don't know when he's coming, but we have this time and this place where our lives are, we have the opportunity to serve Christ and we to proclaim the gospel to the, to those who haven't heard it and to build up in the faith, those who have received it. You know, I was reading a book this past week um, written by uh, Athanasius. Athanasius was a, a early church leader. He was the one who contended with a man named Arius over the the Arian heresy is the heresy that the Jehovah's Witnesses have embraced, where there's a denial of the deity of Jesus and a denial of the Trinity. And anyway, Athanasius was the the person who um, really defended the the faith and and defeated the heresy of Arius. But I'm I'm reading a book. He wrote a book in I think it's 319 on 319, like 1700 years ago on. Um, the Incarnation. The book is called The Incarnation. It talks about the Incarnation, talks about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and then it's a it's a response to the Jewish arguments, a response to the Gentile arguments. But anyway, all that to say, I'm I'm reading this book and I am so astounded at his biblical knowledge. I mean, this guy knows the Bible like the back of his hand. It's and and all of his arguments and presentations are so strongly rooted in scripture. But here's my point. My point is that as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, wow, that was in the first three or four centuries of the church. And here we are all those centuries later on the same mission that Athanasius was on the mission to get the gospel to people. And I would just say this to you today. Let's not miss any opportunity that God has for us because as we read there, that just that one verse in Mark, the gospel must be preached to all the nations. And guess what? The church is the means through which God does that. He's the, that's the primary means. Of course, God can do things any way he wants, but he's chosen the church as his instrument, which means he's chosen you and he's chosen me. And so may we be those who would just say, Lord, here I am. Use me do something with me and whatever it is there's all different kinds of things that uh, god has for us to do but it's all ultimately for the same purpose we're all working together for the for the same purpose and that's to see the advancing of the kingdom of christ that jesus would become lord over people's lives and that their lives would be transformed from rebellious uh, sinful lives to lives that are submitted to him and living for his glory and uh, honoring him. And that's what all of this that we do is all about. That's why we do it. And uh, what a privilege to be able to serve Christ in these days. So thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you use us, you use people. And Lord, that you're on mission You're always on mission, seeking to save the lost, seeking and saving the lost. And Lord, thank you that you've called us alongside. You've invited us into a uh, partnership with you, a co-laboring, as your word says, with you in your field. And so, Lord, we pray for all those things that we just experienced over the past couple of weeks. We pray for every seed that was planted in the hearts of people. Lord, that the Spirit would water it and that it would ultimately bring forth fruit. We pray for all the new life that was birthed. We pray for every person who is a new creation in Christ now that you would get them established in the faith. We pray for every person who's out serving you, giving themselves, giving their lives out maybe on the foreign field or within their own uh, national and cultural context. Lord, strengthen and bless them so that they might glorify you, that you might be uh, magnified and honored and exalted through those ministries. And Lord, we pray for the outreach next week right here locally. We thank you for the 30 years of ministry. We pray, Lord, for the Harvest Team. We pray for the event. We pray for people that have been invited. Uh, Lord, we pray that once again, you'd fill that stadium with people um, and that your word would go forth in power to change people's eternal destinies, to change people's lives for the good forever. And Lord, we pray a special blessing upon Greg. We pray as he goes into the week, as as he's preparing uh, to give the word. Lord, may he speak as the oracle of God. May you be pleading with and appealing with people uh, through Greg to be reconciled to you. And Lord, may you draw many, to yourself. And we pray these things now in the name of Jesus and for his glory and majesty. Amen.